The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Welcome to History Island, celebrating the rich history of Long Island. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Hi, I'm Dale Spencer, your history guy. You're listening to History Island on 103.9 FM, LA News Radio. I hope everybody's enjoying the winter out there. We've been in that middle time when it's a little bit cold. Um, there's some nice events going on we'll try to tell you about. Today, we're going to talk about one of the really old original towns of Long Island, Great Town Ship. Um, this one gets a little confusing, so just hang on to your seats with this. Islip Town. Okay, so we're going to talk about Islip Town, one of the really early towns in um, in the history of Long Island. Of course, it all was um, started basically by a purchase by William Nickel when he um, bought a big piece of property and got the Nichols patent from England. And basically, he um, established what is now Islip Town. Now, of course, Islip town you know you can go through islip by route 111 and that's islip hamlet um but then there's islip township um islip township includes um bayport the little town of islip islip terrace west islip islandia um bohemia brentwood brightwaters central islip east islip holbrook West Sable, of course, Great River, Oakdale, and Ocean Beach down on Fire Island. So anyway, we're going to talk uh, with the uh, the expert on all of these matters today. And let's not waste any time and let's go right to him. So my very special guest today is George Munkenbeck. And he is the Islip Town historian, an amazing guy with an amazing historical knowledge. Okay, George, how are you doing today? Very good. Good, good. So, um, now how long have you been the historian over there? Uh, it's, well, it was eight years this past October, so I'm starting, I'm pretty well into my ninth year as the town historian. Oh, very nice. And I know we got a lot of great events going on over there. Um, so, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the original history of the town and what happened over there. Well, it, it's an interesting history. Uh, I, I always have two quotes about Islip, one of which it's the town that's not supposed to exist. It, it wasn't one of the 10 original towns because it doesn't even exist as a place until December when the towns were established back in the early part of uh, that same year of, of 1683 uh, by, as you mentioned, by purchased by William Nickel who named it the town or the property he owned, which is now East Islip, Great River, and uh, some areas around there on the on the west side of the Kinequat River and, and the, uh, the bay in that area. Uh, that particular that particular property he named after his town that he was born in in England, which is Islip in North Hampshire. Um, he also uh, named it actually Islip Grange, which is the name of the park in Savo. By the way, you did leave Savo out of that list. Uh, Islip Grange uh, Park uses the original name for the uh, what is now the town of Islip. Uh, Nickel eventually will have 
probably r- roughly 55,000 of the approximate 77,000 acres that make up the town of Islip uh, in various grants over, the, over his time span. Uh, Islip had no government. Uh, we do have documents, by the way, going back to 1702. Mm. And uh, Mr. Nickel went ahead, and he was very, very in, and it's a, we could spend hours on his story alone. But he, uh, he went ahead, and in 1710, since he was Speaker of the, of the Colonial Assembly and also on the Governor's Council, uh, he went ahead and had a law passed, and Islip doesn't isn't chartered. It's by law. It's a l- l- law passed in 1710, and that made us a precinct, which is not a town. And they lived as a precinct with everybody else thinking that they were part of some town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's, an, it's a long, interesting story, and I, I tell this a lot of times at the walks when we do the Grange. But then again, in 1788, the state of New York named it as a town of the, of the New York, which really surprised the three surrounding towns of Huntington, Smithtown, and Brookhaven when they found out that Islip didn't belong to any of them. And, uh, and it basically, uh, during colonial times, it was, basic, uh, you, it was a town where if you were someone who had a problem in the other towns, as long as you didn't bother William Nickel, they didn't care what you did. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I call it the uh, land of broken toys because you'll see the same names that appear in all the surrounding towns. These are the ones that were the black sheep relatives all moved into Islip because William Nickel would protect them. And so that's kind of the story of the Islip. It's a very unique town, very unique history. Um, and uh, it's still going. It's still pretty unique. No. Well, yeah, it is a very unique town. And then, of course, I, I know that he went through a lot of um, court time involving the Nichols Pan, right, to establish all that. Well, he, he didn't, he didn't, but his family did later because uh, Huntington sued, trying to get control over the Islip's Bay. Uh, there were some arguments with others, and that's why you see the, whoa, you see the notches. <laughs> Sorry about that. You see the notches in the... Uh, in the, the top of Islip, those are all parts of deals that were made reinterpreting and courts interpreting some of the boundaries. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. And then I've, I've heard that. How did Brookhaven and Huntington miss out on getting that piece of town, right? Because like you said, they they didn't realize that that was not a town. Right. It was supposedly an election district. And uh Unlike the other towns, we didn't keep a lot of records because it was basically the, the meeting that they would have for the precinct for electing officers, which they had. Mm-hmm. And William Nickel was probably one of the most brilliant lawyers to have lived in this country. <laughs> right. because he's, he wrote a lot of the colonial laws, and he his father was involved with writing uh, uh, the original Duke's Laws, and he actually was one of the authors of the uh, rights, uh, New York State, basically the first Bill of Rights the, of this, the colony of New York. Oh. So um, he, was, he was pretty good at what he did. And I, I'll assume a lot of that is what put him in a position to be able to get that land and to have the knowledge of how to pull that off, right, and get the patent. Right, and they were they were close to the crown, uh, and that's again another long story that uh, we could do at another time. But there, it was the it, with all the uh, uncertainty in England, 
uh, they remained loyal to the crown. Right. And that put him in that position. Yes. Mm. And then I guess in its really early days, um, there wasn't really too much business or anything going on there at first in, um, in that town, in any of it, right? Well, there were, there were no roads. We, we, the South Road, which you now know as Montauk Highway, doesn't even exist till 1735. Right. right. Uh, it was authorized in 1732, and uh, it, it's interesting how the road was eventually laid out. Uh, the only road passing through what is now the town of Islip was the King's Highway, which is basically, uh, parts of it still exist where it was, but it's basically 25. Oh, it's basically 25. Right. Yeah. 25 was the King's Highway. It's been moved and so forth, but yeah. Which, from what I understand, goes all the way back to being basically the Native American paths through the woods um, that they would use when they walked and they lived in this land for so many years. Right. And many of those have been preserved in street names for, you know, Caleb's Path and so forth. The paths were paths, literally. Yeah, right. And to get to get the south shore of Islip, you had to walk down a narrow path. And they were very happy not having people show up because they were into some somewhat nefarious things that were going on. <laughs> okay, well, you know what? We're going to come back after the break, and we're going to talk a little more about that. So just hang on. Hey, everybody, we're, list. we're talking about Ice of Town on Long Island News Radio, 103.9 History Island. Come on back in a minute. My name is Mike Cueva. And I'm Lisa Steffens, and we work at BLD's Restaurant on Hawkins Avenue in Ronkonkoma. And we would love for everybody to come on down and visit us and check out our food items and our friendly atmosphere. We decorate all the time year-round. And like I said, we are family-owned. I'm there 20 years. Mike next to me is there about 15. And we would love everybody to come in and join us. Yeah, you have to try our pancakes, our waffles, our French toast, even our ribs are good burgers are great as well and don't forget our police officers our veterans our fire department we give discounts for veterans police officers seven days a week so come on down and visit us our business hours are 7 a.m to 9 p.m and we're known for your home away from home Hey everybody, welcome back to History Island on 103.9 FM. Of course, I am Dale Spencer, your host, your history guy. And we're here tonight talking with the Islip Town historian, George Munkenbeck. And we were talking about the, some of the early history of the town. Um, so anyway, George, we were talking about um, some of that early um, nefarious things that were going on. Well... William Nickel, along with the gardeners, and you, there's a whole list of the people, uh, almost everybody who was one of the uh, patentees, um, Van Cortland and, and so forth, uh, they were involved in a piracy ring. We're finding more and more evidence what they were up to. The governor, Fletcher, was in on it. Uh, Nickel named his firstborn son, which was out of the ordinary for the Nickel family, named him Benjamin in honor of Benjamin, who, who gave him some land grants. But Islip Hamlet, 
was a deep water port at the time. So they were in there. Um, some of it was piracy. Some of it was uh, offloading goods early and just putting it on coastwise and not paying any kind of uh, any kind of duty on it right. because oh, it came from Boston. Um, we do know that there is a relationship with the Captain Kidd story and and everything else. And Captain Kidd's wife was selling fine goods from Europe, which came in on these boats, small coastwise boats. So it, we're finding more and more out. We still don't. We still can't 100% nail it down, but we, we do know that there was all sorts of little shows going on. Islip was isolated, so you could do just about anything. And since there was almost no roads, there was no way to get here. And even with the road that was, it would take forever in its condition. So Right. And and the uh, what was it? The Oronoc Canal, right? The uh, Was the well, main deep water port there? Well, it, it, in there and, and also it gave, most of those streams and all were fairly deep water. They weren't as silted in as they are now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and, and typical, like the Captain Kidd story is one of the great mysteries of Long Island. And I'm sure when you covered your tracks and a few hundred years go by, it's really hard to dig up any more information about it. Well, that. some recent authors have really done some spectacular work, some actual historians, and there's some really good new b- books coming out on, his, on Captain Kidd's wife and uh, another one on the piracy in the Mid-Atlantic, which William Nichol has six entries in. So... Um, <laughs> There's stuff's there. It's in and it's in the colonial records, which are available online. So you, it's it's there. So it kind of it's like one of those things in society where some things just never change. Correct. <laughs> hey, what about um? Eventually, they decide they develop the Islip Town Seal. Yes, that was in the well after they finally decided they had it had to have a town. We didn't have a town hall till 1870, mm-hmm. and they built Union Hall. Whereas there's a historic plaque on it now on Grant Avenue in, in Islip Hamlet. Um, that particular, <laughs> then they decided it was more fun having the uh, meetings at local hostelries, shall we say, bar rooms and, uh, and uh, stores and, and people's houses that were big. Uh, there weren't a lot of people in town, so it worked. But they did eventually start using Town Hall. At that about that same time, uh, one of the Thompsons was asked about a seal and he designed he sent it into the town clerk who also happened to be a distant relative and the seal that we have today is that seal the seal itself was meant to poke fun and tell islip town's history where all these others you know you 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 look at brookhavens and and huntingtons which are these colonial seals Ours, ours is basically makes a joke of the history of islip mm-hmm. uh there's an eye and then surrounded by three slips, cuts from trees. Uh, Islip, which comes from the town of Islip in England, because Thomas Islip, who was a uh, clergyman in the, in the um, Church of England, uh, also built the Henry VII uh, chapel, Lady Chapel. Oh. In there, he has a man in a, tr- uh, a cut down, cut tree. With an eye, eye slip. That's eye slip. Eye slip, and they decided to use that because, as Thompson says in his letter, eye eye slip was an eye slip on the part of Brookhaven, Smithtown, and Huntington. The uh, the the three branches. There is a one on the long side, which is Huntington, and that has grown roots on it. If you look at the original sketch, indicating that Huntington had an actual claim. 
against Islip's property, which they eventually lost in court. Uh, on the top is a very short branch chopped off with no roots, and that represents Smithtown, because Smithtown, who would have had a legal claim, never made it. That may have something to do with the fact that uh, one of William Mickle's daughters married the eldest son of Bull Smith, so that meant that the Mickle girls were, were not anything to, to trifle with, so they probably did get a lot of control, which is why William Nickel never lost an election. Um, <laughs> And then on the other side is Brookhaven, which has the um, slip, but the slip has uh, the slip has uh, root gall, basically little balls on it, meaning the roots rotted because Brookhaven lost its bid. Oh, right. And then uh, the great bunch is all the people of the town of Islip and the inlets and the uh, the lands and all that hung together to defy the federal government, the crown, the county, the state to become a town. And uh, 1683 has nothing to do with the founding of the town. That's when it was purchased. Yeah, that's when and it was purchased. And the, the motto underneath is, uh, be careful in whom you confide, which is the Nickel family motto. Right. Right. Transmit. Well, yeah, see, I told everybody this could be a little confusing if you're not quite following it. It's not a simple one, this history. Um, so, yeah, so anyway, um, now at first, I know that um, when they first were around there, there was still a large uh, Native American population, right, inhabiting the area. Correct, correct. And uh, and while later on they were exploited, with when Nickel was there, he provided for them by deeding them back property, and we do have the text of some of those deeds. Uh, West Islip uh, was was one of the areas though there we know that there were two settlements in west islip uh and i've just slipped an indian name that was for it but it was uh means dark land uh uh and and that seekatog which everybody names the tribe but it isn't the tribe's name yeah seekatog was the village which means dark land marshes uh Penatiquit, which is bayshore had a settlement and there may have been one or two others. That the, the biggest settlement was their winter settlement, which is we know as Hopog, which means sweet waters. Oh, okay. And right. uh, so, you know, and Lake Ronkonkoma, there is no Princess Ronkonkoma. That's right. right. <laughs> That's right. However, it means Sandy Pond. I'm not yes. sure even if there was, somebody wouldn't name their daughter Sandy Pond. Well, you know, it was interesting with that because there actually was no town of Ronkonkoma until the post office got developed. Yes. It was all Lakeland in the south and Lake Grove to the north. And everyone who knows Princess Ronkonkoma, well, actually, it's Princess Toscolanta. That was actually her name in the legend. Right. And it's, uh, it, it, it's interesting. And, it, you know, we could spend hours, and I do spend hours with these uh, stories and history. Uh, you know, we, we put out a quarterly... Uh, online history magazine, uh, which we get through the historian's office. Uh, all the historical societies get it and can send it to their members. Uh, schools get it, libraries get it, and they, they can distribute it. Obviously, we couldn't print enough of them because we would go broke in a oh, well, yeah, right. short period of time. But that, and there's a lot of pamphlets and so forth we have available that tell lots of stories. Story of the St. John's Church, the churchyard. We have a, trans, uh, a transcription of a 1798 uh, supervisor's letter that tells you all about the town of Islip in 1798. And uh, the 
what it looked like, what trees were there, and it's being used by a lot of uh, researchers now because it's the only record we have of the native trees and what animals and fish were in the waters at the mm. beginning of the uh, 19th century. Yeah, right. And it's, you know, we even, Iceland fought one of the longest fought wars ever fought in the United States. Oh, the, really? The Great Hog War. They made a mistake of raising pigs, and uh, unfortunately, they got loose. Oh. And once pigs get loose, they're not sweet little pink things. <laughs> they become really nasty things. And uh, that was one of the reasons hunters came out to hunt. Uh, as we now know, either just after or, or during even the Revolutionary War period, because uh, hunting pigs or boars was a big deal. You know, they're very ferocious and, and dangerous. And uh, Islip had this little problem. They were destroying the town. So the town minutes or back then are filled with various laws about how to get the pigs under control. Wow. So we jokingly call it the Great Pig War. Now, I know that down south in the United States, that's a big problem right now they're having in a bunch of states. Yeah, and, and now they tell you you can't eat them. That's basically how I got out of the problems. They ate their way out. I was going to say you could kill them and eat them, and then it's yeah. like the Canadian geese wouldn't be so prevalent if they were a wonderful <laughs> thing to eat. <laughs> Which I love the Canadian geese, so don't anyone get mad that I'm saying that about them, but... I didn't know that about the hog war. That's yes, really interesting. It, it's, it mm -hmm. really occupies a large. My uh, my assistant Chris uh, Albergo did an article on it for the for the the uh, magazine, and it, it gets quite comical reading what they're trying to do to prevent the hogs from destroying the town of Islip. Wow! And you don't have all that many people to defend the town at that point because it's still fairly unpopulated. Yes, right? yes. It was mm. it, it, the population was minimal till uh, about 1870, 1880. And, and again, with the with the coming of the uh, state hospital, well, at that time it was the city Manhattan Hospital. When they put the hospital up, they actually doubled the town's population. Wow! It went up uh, up significantly. I think it was up seven, eight thousand people. Mm -hmm. You know, from what the, that what they had. So it was a major influx of humans into the town. And I know that neighborhood just south, Islip Terrace, was really nobody lived there, right? Correct. That was like no one was there. That was correct. Well, most of that area was, was there were farms and, and, you know, and some of them were more subsistence than, than farms. The land, Washington even notices how bad the land is here mm -hmm. uh, in his diary. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anybody who's tried to grow a lawn around here knows that story. Well, yes, that's definitely true. Um, that's why for so many years they didn't believe you could grow wine grapes on Long Island, for example, because mm -hmm. of the way the soil is. Yeah, so um, now eventually I guess all that starts to change when they decide that they're going to build the Southside Railroad, right? And it's going to come right through our area. Right. Well, the Long Island Railroad went through the north, and its whole purpose was to not serve anything on Long Island. It was yep. Boston service, yep. and they reluctantly opened stations in various places. Uh, in 1868, the South Side finally reaches Islip Town, and that helps the uh, the town grow. Uh, it becomes a place for people to come during the summer and have summer homes and be able to get to them. Yeah. So that is the first development. The first Gold Coast is here in Islip Town. Uh, yep, and and that. Um, oh, look! It looks like we're coming up on the break right now. So uh, hang on a minute. We're going to come back in just a minute. You're listening to History Allen on 103.9 FM, LI News Radio. And I'm Dale Spencer. Come on back.
And welcome back again to History Island on 103.9 FM, LI News Radio. And I'm Dale Spencer, your host. So anyway, this morning when I was out, I wanted to have a good breakfast out and I wanted a great egg sandwich. So what I did is stopped at one of my favorite places, the Handy Pantry at 279 Smithtown Boulevard in Wisconsin. It's a great, great deli. They have all kinds of things, fresh rolls every day, great breakfast specials, a nice pancake bar. They've got great beverage selection, um, an Entenmann's case of stuff that's unlike anything else, and you can pick up other things you might need while you're in there. Go see Scotty and his crew, and they'll help you out when you're down there. The Handy Pantry. You can reach them at 631-467-4577, and they open real early in the morning, so go there if you got an early day. Now, of course, if you ever want to go to a great event on Long Island and you really find out you need a limo, go to the best limo company on Long Island, Long Island Elite Limo in St. James. They offer limos for all kinds of events, weddings, tailgate parties, your typical trip to the airport. You can do a nice winery trip with them. Um, They do all kinds of limo events. Uh, Go talk to Charlie over there, and you can reach them at 631-331-5466. Reggie will help you over there. Um, they will help you. They'll book you with the most reliable company on Long Island as far as doing limos. A lot of backup drivers, excellent cars, in really good shape. So anyway, go see them. Um, now, we are talking to the... Islip Town historian, <laughs> George Munkenbeck. And we've been talking all about the history of Islip Town. So anyway, George, um, as we were saying before we, we took the break, um, just around the time the railroad came in, things started really changing, right? Well, yes. It, it, the largest states are, are and people started building summer cottages, Today, we would call them gigantic houses, yeah. but uh, they were cottages back then. And uh, the upper middle class and upper class, the upper class had estates like Idle Hour. And number you had the Southside Sportsman's Club in 1868. That's when they start coming in. Uh, many of them are associated with the Southside Railroad. Uh, people could come in from the city and... Uh, it, it became a place to go and spend summer because you could go boating here. You could go hunting here. You could go fishing here. Uh, the women even set up places where they could go and have tea and, and you know, formal teas and so forth out in the sun. And in some of the uh, at Southside Sportsman's Club had facilities for them, and as well as the cottages had facilities for them. Yes. And I know, for example, the Southside Club had some of the most important, influential men in America that were actually members there. Yes. And they uh, were going there. Yes. And it's an excellent place to visit if people haven't gone. Uh, you can get to see the club. And by the way, Islip Town, uh, that's one of the last places outside Town Hall that they had Islip Town meetings. So oh, that's right. that's one of the few that are still there that uh, from the colo- even colonial days. But from early times, that's the, the last standing that we know of. And I think you can access that right off Sunrise Highway, I believe, if you want to do the right. tour of this. You have to be in the westbound right. lane and you can access it. Yeah. Everybody, I'd really advise you go there. The place is amazing. The it's, mill. It, yeah, the mill is a really one of the old mills of Long Island. And you're walking on the original 
South Road, the original Montauk Highway. That's oh. the line into it and around the over the dam. That oh. is the original highway alignment. And also, it is a wonderful place to bring the kids and the family mm-hmm. because it is so beautiful there. Mm-hmm. And that tour of the mill and the club are just amazing. It'll bring you back to, well, an important piece of American history. Mm-hmm. And um, so now, as all those things developed, some um, more people would come out and be like summer vacation and boarding people staying in the hotels, right? That is correct. That be- that became, well, it always was, even before then, a major source of income for, for many of the houses in the town of Islip. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, one of the few things they could make money off. They made money off the bay. They made money off the hunting. They made money off people going out on boat trips. Uh, remember, Fire Island Beach isn't a big thing until much later. Fire Island was a very scary place because you could get trapped out there. And, and very few very few people were out there except for the lighthouse keeper yeah, and right. a few home. But eventually now, as the we proceed into the 20th century, Islip begins to grow with fits and starts because they start building things and just as they get going, the economy collapses <laughs> and, and it keeps doing that until the 1970s, which is when Islip finally boomed, which was a good thing because it allowed Islip to have much more green space than most of the uh, towns uh, in the western portion of Suffolk County. It, east of the Connecticut River is a large amount of green space because of the estates that were remained, became parks and so forth. Oh, sure. Like a lot of our hikers know that because I've been a hiker my whole life. And mm-hmm. it's always been a great area because there's a lot of parkland out there. Yes. And like, for example, the um, just near the Arboretum, that was where the uh, fancy golf club was, right? Yes. There, there was and, and all part of, the, you know, the horse raising and all sorts of other racing on the highway. And it was uh, the Gilded Age. Yeah. And then they moved to the North Shore and uh, the new rich came in, which is, you know, for instance, Brookwood Hall, and, and which has mm-hmm. now been, which was an orphanage and then is now a town office building. And right. And you have Jacob Oker's house in Oakdale and, and a number of large estates, idle hours. You can still see the remnants of these estates. Oh, sure. And um, one, we worry about that Vanderbilt estate a lot because yes. nothing's happening with it right now. But Correct. that was quite a grand place. Mm-hmm. And I know at one point um, Vanderbilt had dredged the um, the canal down to his house so that he could get his uh, big ship in there. Well, not necessarily his big ship. It was mainly to bring supplies in. The coal barges came in and so forth. Oh, the, right. The heating plants. Yeah, to build a supply. Uh, whether he actually could bring his yacht up, uh, I'm not so sure. And you know, he could he could anchor it out in the river. But remember, uh, we're not dredging at that time. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, that's one of those rumors that you hear a lot of about right. that. Right, and, and, and you know, he had so many, he could bring up one of his smaller vessels. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. He had an ocean-going yacht. Mm-hmm. He had a railroad, but, you know. Um, he had a lot of things. Yes. Yeah, it was quite a quite a family, the Vanderbilts. Um, so anyway, like places like the Pavilion Hotel, for example, mm-hmm. that was that could, that could hold over 100 guests, that hotel, right? Correct, and the... Uh, for instance, Sable, uh, they had golf courses uh, as a golf course as part of one of the hotels. They had swimming pools. They had bay swimming and uh, all of these amenities for the guests who would, you know, you come out, the family would come out for the week. 
a husband might go back in and work for the week and come out on a weekend and so forth. So it, it was the, remember, this is the beginning of the vacation age, which That's occurs right. at the beginning of the 20th century. Yep, where people wanted to spend time and go on vacations. Correct. And what more beautiful than that area? I know that also before the car age, you know, like the Pavilion Hotel, for example, had stables for 50 horses. Correct. Yeah, so they could take care of your horse and you could ride out that right. way. Right, well, you could rent a carriage and go out mm-hmm. and, and, and pretend that you were in the high life coming from the city for a short period of time. Yeah, and I've heard some stories about the Somerset House, and that was supposedly quite a bit smaller, but that was a really nice, fancy place to stay. You had the Delaware. You had there's, uh, you could sit here and name all sorts of hostelries uh, uh, in in every hamlet on and because it was the big it was big business. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that was it. Became that all over actually, Sayville, and then of course later on, Ronkonkoma caught on with that too. Yes, and people loved the lake, so they came up, and all those hotels popped up around right. there. Correct. And then St. James had the theater district, for example, all mm-hmm. the way north, where a lot of theater people liked to rent houses. Right. And um, but they would be down in Sayville eating at the fine restaurants that were down there when and, they wanted to take a trip. And you also had uh, like at the close of an evening theater, they would board their private trains. And travel out here, oh, right. uh, and that you know you had the layup yards in in Sable and you had them in, in Patchogue that could service uh, passenger trains out there. So their private cars would take them out, or parlor car trains would be ready for them when they when they got out take a trip. Yeah, parlor cars like most people could never even imagine there'd be anything that luxurious, <laughs> and that was that age. So yeah, so now they the town changed with that, and I think what really happened is Long Island changed forever with the the advent of the trains coming out here and people being able to come out and and visit and um, spend vacations out here correct uh it was the automobile age that actually uh created a lot of uh, the changes uh the train was still a more civilized and in, in a way to come out but uh once the automobile age, it was easy access for everybody, and then we suburbanization and, and so forth. Oh, yeah, that really changed and, everything. Correct. Right. And um, now I know one of the businesses that thrived there in Islip was the Doxy Clam Company, right? Uh, yes, yes. It, uh, well, it was, a, it was a big deal of sea clams and so forth, and they would have. And you also had uh, the West Sable, which was uh, heavily Dutch and uh Many of the families are still there, but they uh, they work the uh, they work the bay for the blue points. They oh, were blue yeah. points oysters and clam, and the clams were from there. Right now, is this story I've heard about how there was a period there where a lot of the streets were paved, and then they would take the sh- crushed up clam shells and they would put them over the street and would give the street this beautiful glittering look to it. I've read a story about that. My own street that I grew up on in Belmore was exactly that crushed cells and every once a year they would oil it oh okay and, and we would chew the we would chew the tar after <laughs> my mother would go berserk but uh, yeah and and it wasn't i was a kid when they actually paved it with, with uh you know actual pavement because it was it was oyster shell road or clamshells right Right. If you dug under all that paving, you might still find some of those clamshells oh, under did, there. They did when they put the uh, sewers in, in in Belmore. They they found the clamshells. Wow. Lots of them. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's what Long Island is. It's one of the reasons we call our show History Island, because the history is hiding everywhere on Long Island. 
So anyway, as we uh, get up into the um, current age that we live in now, of course, Islip is a really nice town to live in. And um, you guys have a lot of projects going on down there with uh, and exploring the history and doing things for young people, right? Uh, that's correct. Uh, we uh, we produce booklets on the t- town. I, I mentioned that we uh, we have, for instance, a transcription of a 1798 letter that describes the town. Uh, we have programs. We uh, we provide programs to historic society schools. Uh, one of the most fun one was uh, actually. West uh, West Babylon schools uh, came in, and they're not even in the town of Islip, but they wanted to research the Islip town garbage barge. So we not only helped them with that, we also got them in touch with the town of Islip's uh, resource recovery people to say how things have changed since the age of the garbage barge. The kids won a, a prize from the state of New York for their research. This Uh-oh. was a grammar school group. So we work with groups. Uh, we have tours of the record center. Save the Hot Library is coming tomorrow morning for a tour, which we, sh- we show them some of the original documents and how, how records are handled, how things are done. And uh, we just finished a uh, complete renovation of the record center uh, with brand new rolling shelves and uh, mm-hmm. so forth. It's, it would needed needed upgrade and we've done that uh we have an intern program uh we've had two young women who have been in the intern program one of them is still doing intern work the other one is uh presently at college and telling us she's coming back this summer to do some more work because uh she's very interested in the veteran the stories of veterans and telling those stories and getting them out there uh the other uh, young woman uh, has produced uh a, a number of programs uh, you know one of one is going to be uh at the end of the month i think monday i think it's monday the 25th of march uh it's going to be at 7 p.m at the connect what library called murder most foul which is the story of a uh the trial of uh, the one of the last uh, hang the last hanging in suffolk county but it's also um it's also the story of a murder and it turns out that from her research we found that every published document on it is wrong. She went back and got all, she went back to original sources, which was a lot of work. Wow. And, and that's what she used for the play. She also, uh, this one also won the Girl Scout, Girl Scout Gold Award for uh, the history. Uh, she was looking for something and I said, well, we know nothing about the Jewish history and since you're Jewish, why don't you look it up? And she did, she produced a booklet, which is the first look into the history of the Jewish community. Uh, so we're looking to do more of that. Uh, we've worked with various other groups and, and so forth. Uh, we have people come in every this week, every morning and afternoon for the rest of the week is taken up by researchers uh, that will be in there working on various things. Uh, we've had people write books from what they've researched. We have a lot of people doing their home histories. We help them out. We, do, we have a program in that we present to libraries. We have booklets and, and so forth available on that. We do produce uh, a quarterly magazine that is on uh, online that is uh, sent out uh, through our e-blast system, which keeps us in contact with all the historical societies, other groups like living history groups that work in the town, uh, the Civil War group. Uh, we have uh, June 8th is, this year is the going to be the Living History Day where we uh, the farmer's market is there in, in uh Islip Grange, as well as historical societies. Uh, we usually get the biplane um, mock-up from uh, Bayport Aerodrome, and we get some antique fire trucks, 
And it's a great day for the kids. Uh, we have the veterans books there so people can research. We've had people discover their uh, grandparents and their uncles and so forth in the books. Uh, then uh, I think it's the weekend, the middle weekend of September, which I think is the top of my head is the uh, 14th, 15th, 16th of September. And that's, uh, that's Civil War weekend uh, where we have uh, starting on Saturday and Sunday, we have the camps open, we do drills, we have uh, a demonstration battle, we have cannons there, and it's, it's, a, it's a great day. And also the uh, farmer's market is there uh, also, so you can get good pickles and, and other things while you're watching us. And, and, the, and the Grange there is at the end of Broadway, right? It's at, the end at of Montauk Highway? Montauk and Broadway in mm-hmm. Sayville. Right, it's the far eastern portion of Sayville. And then on... Uh, uh, then in, at Christmas, we always do Civil, Civil War Christmas at St. John's Church, which is uh, the church built in 1765 uh, by the Nickel family, oh. which is, was built in the center of their holdings. Uh, it is still an active church, and, and we have local kids in for singing groups, and uh, Baffa comes and sings, and uh, we have Civil War soldiers there and serve them hot cider, and we have ended with a... Civil War Christmas Eve service, and uh, nice. so we got a lot of little things going on, plus our programs, and 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 and, and we're working on uh, Revolutionary War. We're going to call it, uh, we think, uh, the Occupation Trail, since we were occupied for the entire Revolution. Exactly right, yeah. and uh, and most Islip Town residents who stayed uh, there. Some family members went to Connecticut. Some stayed the whole of property, and they all said, "God save the king!" With their fingers crossed. <laughs> We're trying to get them, uh, for, you know, uh, get them so their relatives can join the revolution, uh, sons and daughters of the revolution. Yeah, and so anyway, now let's say I'm uh, I'm sitting here at home right now, and I want to mm-hmm. know how to get my kid involved in this. Well, what way should I direct them? Well, uh, the best way to do it is send an email to historian at islipny.gov. That mm-hmm. gets it right to myself or Chris. Oh, great. And you talk to those people. And you know, I tell you one, if you want to do something wonderful for your kids, get them involved with a little bit of Long Island history. They'll have fun doing it. And it's an amazing education that shows us where we've come from and where we're going. History is important that way. Right. We also have displays available, which we give to libraries and schools. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we, we have a cabinet out front of the record center, which we keep updating. And uh, we even have models of some of the lost buildings of Islip uh, that we, ah. we, we have loaned out for displays. And I know Islip is great with having some of the great local history rooms like the Islip Library and the East Islip Library. That is correct. They have really great local history rooms, which I know I use a lot. Sable has one, too. And, uh, okay, so, and yeah. uh, Connectquat, uh has a very good. Oh, they're very good. Very they, good. And, yeah. and, of course, Brentwood. Uh, Islip, we got great historical societies. Uh, I recommend everybody to become a member of these because you've become part of that community. That's right. And we've had a lot of new people move into the town, and it's a great way to get to know people. Yeah. So once more before we end, if they want to get in touch with you, what's that website they should go to? Well, it's it's the email, Mm -hmm. historian at islipny.gov. Great. That is my email. And they can also call Town Hall and get hooked up to you that well, way if they uh, yes, want to do the, the old-fashioned. The number is 631-595-3862. That's the office phone. Oh, okay, great. 
So, um, yeah, get involved because I tell you, getting involved with the history in the historical societies and this wonderful gentleman, George, right here, is a great thing to do. And you'll have a lot of enjoyment. It doesn't cost any money really to do it. The historical societies might want you to join, but otherwise they're really welcoming people and they love what they're doing. And it's a lot of fun. So if you like what you've heard on the show tonight, um, get involved. Because we need people to be involved with this. Especially young people. Yes, especially young people. So anyway, George, I thank you for coming on. Uh, We'll have you back sometime in the near future because we have a lot we didn't get to talk about tonight. Yes, sir. There is so much, and I really thank you so much. I'm honored to have you on this show. Well, thank you very much for having me. And everybody, you have a good week. We will see you in a week or two. You're listening to History Island on 103.9 FM LA News Radio. And I'm Dale Spencer, your host. I want to thank my engineer and my producer, John Gifford, and my research director, Jana Rishpeter. Thanks, everybody. Take care of each other, okay? And give a smile to your neighbor. It's a big thing these days. It's important. Thanks. Thanks.